Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first scripture comes from 1 Samuel 17, uh, various passages. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekrah in Ephestamim. The Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion called Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment as the army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brothers. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against these Philistine, <coughs> Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord, who has saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, 
will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is continuing on the David and Goliath story. Uh, I'm continuing on 1 Samuel 17, beginning with 38 and going through verse 50. Listen again with fresh ears, the word of the Lord. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk in these, for I'm not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David spoke to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out the stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a familiar story, one that we all know, whether we are Christians or not. David and Goliath is permeated our culture and has become referred to by those who are people of faith and those who are not. David and Goliath is one of the best and most detailed told stories in scripture. I think Charlotte, that first scripture reading wasn't easy because we had to jump around a little bit. We didn't have time to read the whole thing but again, it is biblical storytelling at its finest. We have depth of characters, we have plot, we have intrigue, we have the confrontation. We see all around us where we are. 
We can place ourselves in the story. And it is little David who takes down the mighty giant. So there's lots going on in this story and so much we could focus on and raise up to the top. Real quick, let's try to summarize kind of the context of this. Remember, Israel cried out for a king. Saul was the response. Saul had disobeyed God at a moment, and so this is when God brought little David out from the shepherd's field to be anointed as the future king. The Spirit of God descended upon him. He was not yet king, Saul still king. And here we pick up the next in David's saga, in David's story. And David, by the way, behind Christ is spoken of more than anybody else in the Bible. More than anybody else in the Bible is King David. With First and Second Samuel, First Kings, First Chronicles, the 75 Psalms that David is attributed to, he is an amazing part of both Old and New Testament understanding. And so it's important to know the life of David as Christ comes from that line. So here you have the battle drawn. You have the Philistines and you have God's army, the Israelites, on two mountains with a valley in the middle. That was to be the battlefield. And it was not uncommon in that day for those champions from each side to call each other out and to fight before the armies engaged. And here it says, if you can beat me, then you can have us, Goliath says. But if I beat you, we've got you. And it wasn't necessarily in the day that it was the winner or loser, but it kind of set the stage for the battle possible psychological advantage. To have your hero beaten by your enemy would be soul-crushing to an army. So here we have Goliath, monster of a human being. We are told somewhere on the large end of nine feet and six inches, perhaps. On the low end, six-six-ish, six feet, six inches, but, and while that's NBA tall, that's not giant tall. So I'm thinking it's got to be more than that, and, and I measured. This is about six, 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 seven here, this, this red one. And up here, just above that would be about nine feet, and you put six inches on top of that from the floor, not from here, from the floor. So if you take what would have been a teenage young man, put him down here, this is, I'm still short, this is how Goliath towers. And not just tall, but full of muscle and covered from one end to the other in chain mail, in defenses, monster spear at his back, this javelin with the big metal head on it. He was terrifying. And for 40 days, 
he comes out in the morning and he comes back at night. And he says, come on, send me somebody. We'll take care of this right now. Send someone out. Surely, armies of Israel, armies of your God, you have a champion or someone who can come out and meet me. Every morning, every evening for 40 days. That would get a little bit old. So David, cut back to David doing his shepherd thing. His at least three older brothers whom we met when he was anointed, uh, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah, who were not chosen, were there fighting. So his father, Jesse, says, take some stuff, take some supplies up to the front lines, takes 10 loaves of bread, takes a bunch of cheese, takes some other grain up there for, to support the troops. And that's when David comes and he drops off his stuff and he sees what's going on. There's big old Goliath out there. Who will come to me? Ha ha. And David says, what's going on with that guy? And everybody lets it be known to David. Well, he's, he's challenging us, but look at that guy. Saul, the king, who was placed there by God, whose army this is devoted to, should have at least been the one to go out as king. Saul's not going anywhere. And all we hear the Israelite army say is, look at this guy. It's ridiculous. I'm not going out there. He's huge. And David says, I, I can take care of that guy. And Saul says, uh, I don't think so. He's not, um, not only look at him, but he's been a warrior since his youth. Since his youth and you are in your youth and are not a warrior. You're a shepherd. What in the world are you doing thinking you can go out there? His brothers get mad at him because he keeps asking questions and keeps recounting these tales. Well, when I was watching the sheep, I took this lion down one time and, and a bear too. God was with me. God gave me what I needed. I'm emphasizing his youth by raising my voice higher. And so his brothers, as siblings will do, write him off. They start making fun of him. Are you kidding me? Just, just go away. You, you brought the cheese. That was your big job. Now go back to the sheep. And then David says to Saul, I will go. Let your heart not be troubled. I will go in the name of the Lord of hosts, the living God. Saul says, have at it, big boy. Go on, see what you can do. And so David out there in the field again, morning and night waiting. Here comes little David. Got my sling, mister. Better look out, I'm in trouble. And he starts mocking. Am I dog that you would send sticks out to me? I'm not even sure what that means, but it's not good. And David starts to lift up God starts to say, this is God's army whom you have defied. Therefore, God will deliver you into my hand this day. 
but Goliath would have heard it as, God will deliver you into my hands this day. It couldn't be more an absurd matchup. It couldn't be more polar in its bringing together of these two forces, which is exactly the way God wanted it. So they talk back and forth a little bit, and then, then it's time. It says, Goliath takes a few steps towards David, and this is the part that, that really blows me away. David runs quickly to the battle line. Runs quickly to the battle line. Are you kidding me? It's enough to be there, David. It's enough to kind of shimmy up. Hold on, I'm not ready. Wait, wait, I'm going to stretch a little bit. and Get my stones already, Mr. Goliath. Just give me a minute. He runs quickly. That is full speed at this threat. Holy moly, are you kidding me? Where does the kid get the guts for this? And he runs up to the line, slings it, bam. The whole buildup is far more than the actual battle. The battle's over in just a few verses, and we have a whole chapter setting it up. David hits him in the one place where he is not protected, right there in the noggin. That stone sinks in, takes him out. And David continues to give credit to God and says, this battle is the Lord's. This battle is the Lord's. And the Philistines run and they are pursued and taken down in their standing. So the question is, um, yes, as we hear this passage, there are Goliaths in our life. There are things that we must have the courage to face. But what we often forget, I think, is that this isn't a story about little David overpowering the big giant. It is about God's power overcoming that which would oppress us, which would hold us down, which keeps us from being who we were created to be. It is not about David's power beating Goliath. It is about God's power alone. It is not David fighting God's battle. It is God fighting David's battle. And this is what David tells us from the start. Why does he have the courage to step up and face this monster that is terrifying? The king who was a warrior, all of the soldiers, none would step up. None of the generals, none of the commanders. How does David able to move forward and run toward the threat? Well, one, it's because he had practiced this already. He was already faithful with God, and God had already helped him survive from these other threats, these lions and bears. And yes, they did exist in the Middle East at that time. And those were not light matters either. David's life was at risk as he went to save his lambs, his sheep 
from their clutches. And he wasn't slinging his stone at these animals. This account says he grabbed the lion by the beard. That means he is right there. Kills him up close and personal. David, tough, man, courageous. And that too has been given to him by God and he knows it and he lets everybody know it. This was God's doing. God was with me. That's how I was able to step in front of that threat and take it down. So one, we need to practice our relationship with Christ. We need to practice our journey with God on a daily basis so that when we come smack dab up against a Goliath of any kind, it's not the first time we're asking God for help. God will be there. But as we practice our daily journey with Christ, the more that we see God involved in our lives, the more that when we need God the most, we will feel God's presence. We will be empowered to stand against whatever threat stands in front of us. So it's practicing, just like anything else. They don't take our Fort Benning soldiers and drop them in the midst of combat without training. Why? That would be a bad idea. You don't wake up, pick up an instrument that you've never played, and all of a sudden, you're a master at it. I remember Michael Jordan being asked, why, why, what is it that makes him so different, so great? He says, it's, it's the fundamentals. It's because I practice night and day all my life. It is practicing the fundamentals that allow us to then grow, to then stand on that foundation, to then do amazing things. It is no different with our faith. It is no different with our life. We are being called to be with God even in the smaller days and the smaller issues so that when Goliath comes and calls us out and laughs at us, we may stand and have the courage to say, you will not defeat me for God is with me. So we practice. And let me also be honest about this and say what you already know. Sometimes Goliath wins. This story, if we're not careful, can say if we have faith enough, if we just acknowledge that God is with us, then nothing will ever go wrong. No bad things will ever attack us. Goliaths in our life we will slay every time. We know that's not the case. But we are to know and face those threats because we know that God is with us. And sometimes the disease wins. Sometimes the relationship is not reconcilable. Sometimes the church splits. Sometimes we are fired or others, we fire others. Sometimes our sin takes us over. Even though we are seeking to be with God, 
Sometimes Goliath wins. But the important thing is to know that we are not alone in the battle and that even if Goliath wins, that is not mean that God is not all powerful, God is. And God is with you through that struggle and will get you through. We cannot say if we just believe no bad things will happen. I was at a seminar one time, went with a friend at a church in Tonkawa, Oklahoma, where I was the year long seminary intern. She said, I'd like you to come to my church. This was the daughter of some church members. We're doing a seminar on speaking in tongues. Great, I'm in. So while we're there, and that's a whole separate thing, the pastor said, if something happens to someone in your life, a tragedy, it means you didn't do your job and pray enough. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is harmful and dangerous theology. Because all you have to do is be faithful and your loved ones are going to be fine forever. They're not going to die. <laughs> if you're faithful enough, there'll be no cancer. There'll be no poor decisions. All children will be fine if you're just faithful enough. That is absurd. While I respect all traditions, especially in our Christian faith, that is harmful. Because all it does is put that emphasis on you, that you are not doing enough, you are bad, you are bad, you are not faithful, you are not faithful, or someone you love wouldn't be hurt. Guess what Jesus said? It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. So we need to look at this story and realize that yes, God was with David. And God is with us that we have to move forward knowing that sometimes we don't know the bigger picture, we don't see the bigger picture. Sometimes Goliath winning could be God seeking you. I don't mean God is causing you ill or tragedy or harm. I don't believe that's the way God works. But it will feel to you sometimes that you are alone, especially in the bad times. You are not, God stands with you and again, the more we practice, the more we are confident and we can stand even in the darkest moments. So we practice. And then real quick, number two, how do we run toward the threat? Holy moly. What is our natural tendency as human beings when there is a monstrous threat in front of us? See ya. We head the opposite direction. And sometimes that works. Sometimes things can work themselves out. But a Goliath is not a minor annoyance. A Goliath is not something in your life that just can sit in the background for a certain amount of time. Goliath is calling you out and demands attention. Things are that bad and scary. And so we are seeking the courage to run toward the threat, to run toward Goliath. Whatever that threat may be, we know that we don't walk alone. What if we engage that threat instead of running? What if we engage that threat, whether that's relationships, work, church, school, friends, organizations, 
Those things in our life that have threatened us, health, We are to have the courage that God is with us that enables us to run toward the threat and deal with it. Because guess what? It's going to deal with you. These Goliaths are big enough. They have to be dealt with. So again, this story is bigger than just David, little David and big Goliath. You know who the underdog in this story is? Goliath. Why? He never had a shot. Why? Because God was with David. Poor Goliath never had a shot. So open your hearts to the presence of God, of Christ with us, who did the ultimate act on the cross and the empty tomb, defeated evil forever for you and me. Doesn't mean bad things won't happen, they will but the power to be forgiven, sin and death have been overcome. So ultimately God wins and we win when we trust and have faith that God is with us no matter what. That's what the story is about. Let us seek to practice and know that no matter where we go or what Goliath awaits, that we do not go alone And it is God, our loving God and Savior and Holy Spirit that fill us and lead us and give us the courage to run at the threat. Hallelujah. Amen.